Hi, everybody. Yeah, I know. It's been a while since the last podcast, and I've been really slacking at it, but I felt like I owed everybody something by doing a new one. A um, few things to get out of the way first before we get into, I guess, the topic. or It's going to be a variety of topics, but I think we're going to be talking about death, especially in this episode. Um, yeah, I joined my friends and siphoned full-time officially as of a few months ago, but I mean... I've always just kind of considered that, you know, a priority. (laughs) Um, And yeah, you're going to be hearing some cool new music from us, hopefully in the uh, upcoming months. You know, got some studio time panned, panned, planned uh, for these upcoming months. You know, Eric and Caleb have been sitting on some good songs and um, me and I guess, you know, Sam, you know, we're going to be you know, helping out, putting our own original twisty spins <laughs> on the music. I don't know. That sounds really stupid. Um, but, yeah, you, you expect some good stuff coming up from us in the future. Um, and I've just been doing that. You know, that's been my main band focus for a while. Just kind of also wanted to say, you know, the whole thing about my pr- solo project. Um, I, I, you know, I've always had this feeling that, like, oh, you know, I should be, like, arranging my own music and I should be in charge of it and everything like that. You know, even when I was in bands, like, collaborative projects, efforts, you know, I couldn't couldn't really get that out of my head that I felt like I was superior in terms of other people, you know, with, like, my music and my ideas and everything like that. So, yeah, just the whole solo music thing just wasn't approaching that with the best mindset and because of that, yeah, I haven't really, I really don't have any plans for that right now. Um, Night Hill Aesthetic, the new name of the solo project and the podcast. But, I mean, if I ever just get bored and want to write a song or put out something, I'll put it out under that name. But, yeah, there are no plans for it right now. Just Siphoned has been more of a full-time thing, which I'm glad it has been because it's given me more time to focus on my drumming and everything like that. Um but yeah, no, the podcasting, that's definitely something I've wanted to get back into a little bit more. I know um, I know, I want to do a podcast with Sam Corliss, obviously, you know, from Passing Thought, now Siphoned, um, just to get pick his brain a little bit more about, you know, the whole production side of music and uh, I guess the whole uh, love for extreme music that kind of comes through in different genres like metalcore and deathcore because I know Sam is really knowledgeable when it comes to that. So I'd want to have a conversation with him. And then um, the guys in Convulsus, another local killer, sweet, extreme metal band, they've expressed interest in doing a podcast with me. So I'm planning on doing that. I don't know if it'll be the entire band or... Like, I know some podcasts, they'll do individual episodes with each member to try and milk as much, like, viewership and content as they can. And, like, I respect that, but also... I'm probably just going to have them all over at my house just to get it out of the way or do a Zoom with them. We're going to figure it out. And then, so I do a radio show at school right now, but there's a lot of things on that show that we want to talk about that we can't because it's school. It's WXOU. Um, It's FCC guidelines, all that fun stuff. And then, you know, with a podcast, you don't have to worry about all that bullfucking shit. Sorry, I just said all that. (laughs) I don't care. Um... (laughs) That's the whole point right there is we want to be able to just be unhinged, unfiltered, 
and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, the show that I do at school is called Who the Hell Gave Us a Show. We're thinking of Who the Hell Gave Us a Pod or something like that. I don't know. It's still in the planning phase, planning phases, stages, whatever you want to call it. But <clears throat> yeah, I'm working on getting a new studio. I mean, not really a studio, just like using my basement as a space for multiple things like podcasting, um, music production, recording, band practice, rehearsal space, etc. Um, and yeah, also, uh, I know there's a lot to get through in this intro. It's super long already, but I don't care. I have a musical-related project coming out with my friend Mia. Um, Mia's Instagram is at Strictly Whack for those who want to follow her. Um, we recorded some music together and we're currently having it, um, mixed and mastered and that's going to be coming out very soon. Um, and I've heard the first song already and it's amazing. Like I basically helped Mia, uh, she came to me with these songs and we came together and we put them together, you know, from start to finish and then, um, used the amps at my house, used a, used this very same input, the Behringer, um, the Behringer UM2 or whatever it is, and then yeah, we just plugged it into uh, my laptop. We just found a bass amp on GarageBand that sounded halfway decent. No, I think I think it sounds good. Um, not saying I don't have integrity or it and anything, but it's GarageBand. But then yeah, we obviously have it get sent and mixed and mastered by somebody who has more talent and knows what they're doing more than I do. Um, so yeah, we'll have that coming out, but then. I mean, I want to have it out by at least April, May. You'll see it, hopefully, by then. But, um, yeah, so got I have a show with Siphon this weekend, actually. It's our first show of the year at the Sanctuary. Um, hey, it's Carter from the future. Sorry, this audio is literal dog shit. I don't have any of my recording stuff with me, but uh, this podcast was recorded literally one day before the show. I should have just done it after the show, but it's fine. Um, so, yeah, anything that I say before the show basically has no merit because the show already happened. Okay, thank you. Bye. And we have another show. It's uh, May 20th, Hamilton Street Pub in Saginaw. And then we have another show. <clears throat> we have a show in uh, June, June 24th, at the Diesel Concert Lounge. And, yeah, these are going to be great shows, killer, amazing shows. We got some new music, obviously new songs, um, progressive death metal, so... You know, we take a lot of time working on these songs, and they take a while to learn, too. So, uh, you know, we put them out as fast as we can. And then, yeah, um, uh, I'll probably put the intro right here. But, yeah, thank you all so much again for coming back and listening to Nihil Aesthetic, my podcast. My name is Carter. I'm very passionate about music, uh, electronic media, television, popular culture, and everything like that. This is just a cool little place where we can hang out and talk about all that. But yeah. Getting into, I guess, first topic, if you will. The most topically topical topical thing that happened um, recently. I went and saw Death to All at the machine shop with my bandmates Eric and Caleb from Siphoned. Um, because we, you know, Eric, Eric himself has told me that, you know, he writes a lot of his music based on, uh, Chuck from death, Chuck Schuldiner from the band death. And this band that to all is comprised of former members of the band death. So you have Gene Hoagland, 
the atomic clock on the drums. You have Steve DiGiorgio on bass. And then, interestingly enough, Steve and Gene used to play in Testament together. Gene actually left Testament last year, I believe, officially. And then, <clears throat> yeah, so it was really cool to see Gene do this Death to All tour with Steve. And then you have Bobby from Symbolic, Bobby Kolb, I can't pronounce his name, I'm sorry. Bobby Kolbel, I'm sorry. It's spelled K-O-E-L-B-L-E. -E. Um, yeah, he played on Symbolic. He's the other guitar player in Death to All. And Bobby's just one of the, you know, most welcoming coolest dudes to watch on stage like he's just looks like he's having such a great time and then you have max phelps um from the band exist who does vocals and guitar and yeah the fact that max is able to learn all these songs and do chuck such a great job justice it's just insane like i can't even articulate it into words how important death is as a band to me because <sighs> Just the memories I have associated with that band, my friendship with, you know, Eric and Caleb is very important to me. It's very close to my heart that we have this band that we can all gravitate towards. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, starting from the beginning with death, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'd like to think I'm pretty knowledgeable about this, so I just kind of want to give some of my thoughts and my experiences with death going from the first album. Their first album is called Scream Bloody Gore. And it is a very primitive-sounding album in the terms of, like, when death metal was becoming a thing, basically. So you had Possessed with Seven Churches that came out with that record, and then Death came out with Scream Bloody Gore. Those two albums are often, you know, pointed at, like, oh, which one started death metal? Um, I'm not going to pick a side in terms of that, because you can make an infinite number of arguments for both. But yeah, I'm going to pull out my Scream Bloody Gore vinyl really quickly. And yeah, really quickly, just mentioning with that vinyl, Death is the only band in my vinyl collection that I have the most amount of records for. I have pretty much a complete set of Death, except for Symbolic, because Symbolic came out on a different label, and unfortunately they haven't really done a proper re-release or re-edit or something, you know what I'm trying to say. But Eric told me that there was something pretty wrong with the way that they were doing it logistically, like they just couldn't get the rights anyways. Yeah, if you ever see Symbolic by Death out in the wild on vinyl, please buy it for me, and I will love you forever. But yeah, Scream Bloody Gore, it's very primitive in terms of, like, the topics. Um, Infernal Death, Zombie Ritual, Denial of Life, it's all just about, literally, gore. It's just all about that. But there's a lot of charm to these songs. There's a lot of... The, the character of... You have Chuck, who played on this record, obviously. Chuck played everything that was recorded... Um, you know, guitar, bass, lead, everything. There's not another guitar player on this album. Then you have Chris Reifert, who played drums. And I feel like Chris did it perfectly in terms of, hey, I'm like a really young kid learning how to play the drums. I'm just going to put it on a record. And this is what essentially the essence of combining death metal with thrash, I guess. I don't know. Like, the drumming is very fast. It's very frantic. But it also knows when to slow down, which I appreciate. Um, and yeah, the first track, Infernal Death, just sets the stage perfectly. It's two chords. Mixing with some like hammer-ons and pull-offs. Um, it's just Chuck screaming die over and over again. It's perfect. And then Chris just does this insanely frantic drum beat to get into the, you know, the into the song. And then the first riff, it's just perfect. It's death metal in its 
perfect essence right there. I'm not gonna go over every song on every record, obviously, because that'd be that'd take forever. But some of the songs on Screen Bloody Gore, I do want to highlight. You know, Infernal Death, Zombie Ritual, uh, Mutilation, uh, Evil Dead, Screen Bloody Gore, and then Evil Dead was the song that they played at the Death to All show, and I was not actually expecting that. Like, Evil Dead is kind of a really rare death song, I would say. Um, but yeah, Evil Dead is just perfect to me because it. I think it's it's it. I don't know if it's inspired by the movies. Actually, I think um, Evil Dead came out in '87, and this album came out in '87. So, um, yeah, that tapping part at the beginning or tapping slash melody. People do it billions of different ways. I've watched Rick Ross try and play this song, and he plays it terribly. He doesn't get it right. Just over some chords. It's just perfect. It's it's beautiful yet haunting at the same time. And then yeah, just scream bloody gore. It to me, you couldn't have started a band off in a perfect, more perfect spot. Well, at least a spot where, you know, for for death metal, it perfectly reflects what death metal was thought to be at the time. But then it's also like. It's a good premonition of what's going to come next. You know, you can't do a whole band's career about the same thing. Well, if you're Sabaton or something, you can. Like, oh, we only sing about war and nothing else. For a band like Death, though, you'll find that as the years go by, that's not the case here. Like, moving on to the second album, Leprosy. And Leprosy, for me, is important because that was one of the first... Um, I think I was at a party with my old band, Apocalypse, and somebody pulled... Somebody, I'm not sure exactly... They put on Pull the Plug by Death, and I just could not, I could not, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I didn't know that anything could sound this evil, yet so technical and so tight. And yeah, Pull the Plug, there's a reason why it's one of Death's like most popular songs. Um, but yeah, you kind of see Chuck start to take the little more realistic approach on life lyrically. Um, it's called Leprosy. It's about people who have to live with that disease, unfortunately. And just how society looks down at them differently. And Chuck's not, you know, writing these songs to, you know, say, oh yeah, I agree, leprosy is a problem. He's doing it to bring awareness to it in a way. And yeah, leprosy, <laughs> it's one of the most evil sounding songs ever written. It's known to have um, made children cry, like literally. I've, 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 <laughs> I, I hate being this guy, but like sometimes I'll just, if I'm by a bunch of kids and I'm driving, I'll just roll down my window. Like I'm passing like school and yeah, then they hear leprosy and oftentimes they just look at, they look, they're terrified. And then Born Dead is another great song, great riffs, great everything. Um, Born Dead is just so cool because you hear, you hear, you hear the intro. It's only three notes. And then, you just know that something truly shocking, vile, and repulsive is going to be coming at you. And, yeah, just every song on Leprosy carries the same intention. But then you move on to side B, like songs like Primitive Ways, Choke on It, and then, well, obviously, Pull the Plug, we talked about that song already, but you kind of do get more hints, hints, that's not a word, you get more hints and glares as the direction Chuck was taking the band in on the next record. Um, which is called spiritual spiritual healing, but I want to highlight the fact that Death to All they played Leprosy, 
that song in its entirety at the show. And then, yeah, they close the show with Pull the Plug. And there's not more of a perfect way. Like, you could not have closed that show more perfectly. Um, I just don't really see Death ending their concerts with anything else than Pull the Plug. And then Pull the Plug is also a song that we've covered, Siphon's covered. And that is one of my favorite songs to play because everybody just loses it. So, yeah, you might see us play that song or not (laughs) at one of our uh, longer sets uh, this upcoming spring. And then Spiritual Healing was a very cool... It was a very cool moment seeing that play. They played played Living Monstrosity at the show, and they also played Yes, uh, Spiritual Healing, the title track. And then the amount of people that I saw, like, losing their collective minds for Spiritual Healing, I was really glad to see that. And then Spiritual Healing... I go through phases with this record. There's times where I'm like, I really like it, and there's times where I'm just like, I don't know. Um, but I don't know why. I don't know why that is, though. I mean, I think it's just because it has such a great, you know, side A, and then you have side B starting with spiritual healing. But then just I don't know. I, I'm just not really too big on the last three songs: low life, genetic reconstruction, and killing spree. Um, but yeah, I don't. That's not what the record is about, though. The record is about Chuck making better, you know, choices to write about more important things. Like, the cover of Spiritual Healing is, to me, it's a, well, I know there's definitely, like, there's a definite description of what it is, but you have a man in a suit with money in his pocket, and he has a dollar, he has a dollar sign on his necktie. I think he's supposed to be a priest, and yet he's slapping a guy who's mentally ill, or he looks like he's about to, or a guy who's, uh, you know, in assisted living or a mental institution or something like that. And then um, I'm not sure if uh, somebody said that one of the people in the background is supposed to be Bush or something. I just thought that was funny. But, uh, yeah, spiritual healing, obviously talking, referring to about um, healing, you know, like the evangelicals, they use spiritual healing to just justify everything. And, yeah, like to be alive during the 1980s when all of that, the late 1980s, when all of that, you know, started popping up and then Chuck was making an album about it would have just blown my mind back then. But yeah, no, uh, one of my favorite death songs just period is living monstrosity because it's about, um, it's about the crack academic. I can't talk everybody. I'm sorry. The crack epidemic and how people were smoking so much crack that they would literally get, they would, they would give birth to a child born addicted to cocaine, crack cocaine. Um, but yeah, Spiritual Healing is just, it's a killer record. It's the debut of James Murphy in the Death lineup, but he only played on that one album. And then some of James's lead guitar work is just, some people say it's better than the lead guitar work that followed the rest of the band's career. And I'm just like, that's pretty bold of a claim to make, but it also makes sense just because you haven't really ever heard anything else like this being played. But yeah, moving on from Spiritual Healing, we move on to my personal favorite death record, which is Human. And honestly, we could do an entire podcast episode breaking down every song on that bit by bit, but we're not going to. But yeah, there's not there's not a group of songs out there that are... I mean, there's a few albums that are pretty important to me in terms of like, oh, my baby, like my number one, two, three. But yeah, Human's up there. Um it's the first death album with like a completely new lineup. Like Spiritual Healing had some members from Leprosy on it, but then yeah, Human, completely new lineup. You had Chuck, then you had Paul Masvidal on guitar, um, and then you had Sean Reinhardt on drums, Paul 
and Sean were at the time in a band called Cynic. And then you have Steve DiGiorgio. I mean, I'm sure Steve DiGiorgio played in Cynic at one point or something. That's what's funny about all these band members is that they literally just band hop and band swap and help each other out. But uh, Steve DiGiorgio on the bass, if I don't mention that, Caleb will punch me in the dick. Um, and then, God, yeah, I... The original mix of Human, though, just want to mention this. The original mix of Human, and Eric is not going to agree with me, I, I can't stand it. Um, I think it was really kind of messed up, the fact that they hired this new rhythm section for the band, and then they buried them in the mix. Like, the reissue slash remix slash remaster, whatever, of Human, it's just it just knocks, it just kicks the fucking shit out of the first one's belt, like, ass. Like, it, it's so much better. That's just my opinion, though. You don't... I'm entitled to it, but you don't have to agree with me. But I'm just, I'm a fan of cleaner production in general. And Death generally has some pretty solid production. I mean, obviously, you know, the first three albums aren't anything to write home about, but they get the job done. But then, yeah, I feel like Death really hit their stride with the remix in terms of human. Like, it just sounds so much better. Like, if that version had came out 30 years ago, like, it would have been over. It would have been game over for every other band on the entire planet. But then... What a way to start a record, flattening of emotions. I it's flattening of emotions is based the intro is hot for teacher on steroids in the best possible way. Suicide machine and here I'm just going to tell you right now. So at death to all they played flattening, they played suicide machine, they played lack of comprehension obviously. And then they actually they didn't play it, but after everybody walked off stage, they played Kiss's version of God of Thunder, which I thought was a fun little nod to the cover that they did. Um, while they were recording Human, they finished recording the entire album. They're like, "Well, we have six days left of studio time. Let's uh, let's cover some Kiss." Um, and yeah, just the drumming for me—that is what is so good about this record—is that Sean Reinhardt just lets loose and he does not let up. He is he is unforgiving. He is crazy. And then the guitar work—I don't know what Chuck was doing, like in between spiritual healing and human i don't know if he took lessons from like jesus christ himself or something but yeah just the guitar work the riffs the leads the solos they just leaps and bounds beyond um well that's what you get when you hire better band members you start writing better music so in my opinion you have to play with really shitty people to kind of help bolster yourself a little bit but then you got to play with people better than you so you can kind of be like okay i'm not all that i don't i still have more to learn you got to humble yourself um and yeah, lack of comprehension. First death music video ever. It's a great video. Um, and yeah, a lot of these songs have common themes. More about the human condition. Literally, it's in the name, human. Like, the first track, Flatting of Emotions. I mean, that blew my mind in terms of drumming, but the lyrical content is great as well. Um, I think Suicide Machine is really important because it's still something that we talk about today. We talk about, you know, euthanasia. Um, somebody, like, pull the plug. One of Death's earlier songs It's literally about the same thing. It's like, oh, I can't make the decision for myself. Um, you know, through all the guilt, pain, is that too much to ask? Suicide machine. Um, Chuck was very, he was very introspective with his lyrics, and I think that's what really set him apart from a lot of other people. Like, Chuck... Chuck could write about the bad, but then he would also know how to get a, put a positive spin on it, or he would know to ask the questions associated with it. It wasn't just like, well, shit, suicide machine, suicide machine, suicide machine. You know, it wasn't just that. He would actually throw in some 
different thoughts, some different perspectives about it. And yeah, I, I feel myself wanting to talk about every song on this record, and I'm not going to do that. So we're going to, well, I mean, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you haven't listened to All of Human, you're missing out. Which brings us to our next album, and uh, Individual Thought Patterns. And this is the album that, um, that album right there, that's the whole reason for the Death to All tour, 30 years of Individual Thought Patterns. And I can say right now that Individual Thought Patterns is the most individual, Individual, it's the most individual record they ever made. Ha ha ha! No, it's the most influential record that they made in terms of uh, songwriting for my band, Siphoned. Like <laughs> Eric himself. <laughs> I mean, there's a song that we're gonna be recording that it was as a joke. The title was like N I E R O. Nothing is everything. Rip off Nero. Um, that's not what the song's gonna be called, but. Well, we don't know for sure. I'm not going to make promises I can't keep. The song will come out and be named when it comes out. Okay. No, I'm just joking. Anyways. Yeah, Individual. It's another album that has... It's the first album that has Steve and Gene on it together. And the fretless bass really came into its own here. I mean, you had some good fretless bass moments on Human, but I feel like this album is where Chuck was really just like, Steve, you got a thing going. Just go do it. Or... Steve was like, I got a thing, Chuck, I'm going to do it, whether you like it or not. Um, but yeah, Individual Thought Patterns opens with a bang, of course, Overactive Imagination. This is what I love about Death, and you really know how to open a record, too. Um, no no bullshit, no stupid long intro. Um, you know, Overactive Imagination, yeah, just, I mean... Uh, Gene himself said that, you know, Chuck approached him and we were like, you know, I want to take the technicality and complexity that we established on human and take it to a more extreme level. And, um, I mean, Gene and Sean are two different, completely, you know, two completely different human beings and players, but I feel like Gene really carried on the torch of Sean in his playing. You can really tell with the double bass. I mean... That's what I love about Human, though. At Human, there's some really blisteringly fast double bass parts that even Gene, I can tell he slows them down live. Like Flattening of Emotions, for example, when you hear Gene play that, it's a little bit slower. But then Sean... And then Gene kind of is more just like... You know? Um, drummer talk, am I right? Anyways. Um, and Individual Thought Patterns, here's a little trivia, by, uh, trivia bit for you. So when I... Uh, this is before I joined Siphon, but I was friends with them at the time. Um, first time I ever, I think it was the first time I'd ever been down in Garden City where Eric lives. Um, Eric was doing the Siphoned Backyard show with their old lineup, and then we all went out to uh, uh, Rock of Ages in Garden City, and I got my copy of Individual Thought Patterns. And it's actually funny because most vinyl nowadays goes for like 28 30 bucks, 35 I got this for nineteen ninety nine in 2020 or 2021. Remember, I think it was twenty one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I literally bought that record with the band I was gonna join, <laughs> like a year later. That's pretty poetic. Um, and then, yeah, as you go on individual thought patterns, the songs just get better and better and better. Um, in human form and jealousy, two great songs. And then trapped in a corner, like dear God, that that has to be one of my favorite death songs right there. Just, it's just so perfect in terms of, like, building up a song, like, you don't know what they're going to do next, and then the solo section for Trapped in a Corner, like, that's how you do it. Like, there's so much build-up, so much uh, 
Spice thrown in there with the other band members. And then um, the cool thing about individual thought patterns is that Chuck actually managed to get King Diamond's guitar player, Andy LaRock, to throw some cool shit on there, which is awesome. And it's basically kind of like, you know, my old band, Apocalypse, we got our... Um, we got one of our songs mixed and mastered by the guy who sings in Havoc. You know, at the time, Havoc was one of my favorite bands, one of our favorite bands. It was like, like a no oh shit kind of moment, like shit your pants moment, like I can't believe it, you know? So it's like really cool to hear that Chuck had a moment like that too. He's like, oh my God, Andy from King Diamond's going to play on my album. Like, that's so sick. Um, and then, yeah, another song off Individual that's great is Mentally Blind, Siphoned. We played that a few times. It's a great one. It's got a lot of variety to it. And then um, The Philosopher, I don't need to say enough about that song. If you're, like, that, that's one of Death's, like, most famous songs. And there's a music video done for that, too, and it actually made its way into Beavis and Butthead, which is, you know, thanks, Beavis and Butthead, for talking shit about Chuck and getting more exposure. Like, what are these vocals, Beavis? You know, like, they don't understand death metal. Well, I mean, death metal, back even in 1993, it was still really hard to pinpoint what it was, I feel like. But yeah, individual thought patterns in human, right there. That is how you do it. And then I have all my vinyl out right now. I'm looking at it, you know, reading all the songs off as I do this podcast. We get to symbolic, and then, yeah, there's no vinyl for symbolic. So, um, But yeah, somebody said, I forget who. I feel like it was one of the band members who played on that record. So symbolic is, um, it's Chuck, Gene on the drums, but then there was some guitar player and bass player changes. Um, you have Bobby, as I mentioned, who played on Symbolic. Bobby Colble. I'm terrible with his name. Sorry, Bobby. I love you. Um, and Steve did not play on this record. You had uh, Kelly Conlin, who played on bass, but I feel like I read somewhere Steve did a lot of the demo work for Symbolic, so it was kind of like Steve was there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely more of a shift in sound. I mean, I would say... There's more, there's melody, there's so much melody on Symbolic, it's crazy. Um, and yeah, like, in terms of, like, my favorite Death album, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Symbolic's, like, it's good, it's great, don't get me wrong, but it's not, like, my personal favorite. Um, you know, I listen to all the songs all the time, don't get me wrong, but I just... The, the power metal influence on Symbolic, like, it's cool, don't get me wrong, but, <laughs> I mean, I, I just... Power metal's a little hard to digest, if you ask me, but, uh, but yeah, definitely more tech death influence, definitely more melody. Um, I, I mean, obviously symbolic zero tolerance, um, without judgment, crystal mountain, misanthrope, perennial quest, great tracks. Amazing. And then, so the production, I forgot to mention. So as far as death, you know, who produced what album, who mixed it, um, so, first two Death albums, well, the first Death album, Scream Bloody Gore, was done by Randy Burns, who, I feel like he had a hand in doing Peace Cells by Megadeth, and then Leprosy, Dan Johnson, some random guy, <laughs> I'm just joking, if he's important, um, and then for in, uh, Spiritual Healing, it was produced by Chuck and Eric Grief, who was Death's manager, Eric actually just passed away, it was pretty recent, um, let me see if I can find it, yeah, 2021, we lost Eric, and then... Human was done by Scott Burns, and Scott Burns also did Individual Thought Patterns. And Scott Burns also did Sepultura, um, you know, D-Side, Cannibal Corpse, Obituary, Suffocation, Cynic. Um, 
then Symbolic was done by Jim Morris, and then a lot of people like to highlight that because the production on Symbolic is pretty pretty crisp. I mean, I think it sounds good, but I think Gene's drums sound a little eh. But then Jim Morris then did The Sound of Perseverance, and then moving on to Sound of Perseverance, which is the final, it's the last, fortunately, fortunate, unfortunate last album of original material by Death, but then we can talk about Control Denied for a second, but... um. Yeah, The Sound of Perseverance, I mean, the songs are long, the songs are huge, the songs are amazing. Um, it's actually, so looking at my vinyl here, like, you take a look at individual thought patterns, that's got side A and side B, right? Uh, this album has side A, side B, side C, side D. It's a pretty beefy boy, The Sound of Perseverance. And then, um, I think Chuck knew... I mean, a lot of people say this, and I'm just I'm just begging the question. Chuck kind of knew he was going to die, I feel like, or Chuck knew that his time on this planet was leaving. So, you know, he decided to go all out, go big or go home, which I love, and then it really shines through on this album. Um, and then with Death to All, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention. So uh, Death to All with Symbolic, they played uh, Zero Tolerance, they played Crystal Mountain, obviously, and they played Symbolic, and then Bobby was... Bobby got to shine during those uh, songs. It was just, it was so sick seeing Bobby play those leads and play those parts. Like, that's another thing, too. Like, you hear, you know, hear Chuck on these albums, and then you know, Chuck always picks a great guitar player for each record. But then to hear Max and Bobby just do it perfectly. Yeah, almost made me cry. And then I'm going to mention the lineup for The Sound of Perseverance real quickly. So, Chuck. And then you had Richard Christie on the drums. And Richard Christie's another incredible drummer. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just feel like... I just love Gene and Sean a little bit more. I mean, Richard... Richard's great. Don't get me wrong. I just... There's just something about his playing that just doesn't hit as hard as uh, Sean or Gene. I mean, Richard's good, but... I don't know. Just something felt... I felt like something was missing. But I love his drum tone. I love his playing. But just not my favorite for some reason, but, I mean, it's like, Death never, Death has not really had, like, a bad drummer, quote-unquote, I guess you could say Bill was their worst, because he just kind of played beats, and nothing else, he didn't really do anything too crazy, but, um, so yeah, you have Chuck, you have Richard on drums, then you have Scott Clendenin on bass, um, and you have Shannon Ham on guitar, and what a, yeah, like, Chuck, Chuck always picked his band members pretty good, I mean, Obviously, with, like, Bill Andrews, that's all you had to pick from, and Rick Ross uh, on Leprosy. And then Scavenger of Human Sorrow. Like I always say, Death knows how to really start a record. And then you go into um, – so they didn't – they only played I'm – I'm trying to remember here really quickly. I think the only Scavenger – Scavenger. I think the only per, uh, Sound of Perseverance song that Death to All played was Bite the Pain, which is good because that is my favorite song on – this album um i'm gonna pull up that set list real quick but yeah scavenger of human sorrow um that drum intro perfectly sets the tone it's like chuck's just like yep i picked a new drummer he's badass and this album is gonna fuck shit up and then bite the pain i mean i i just think that has the best riffs you know i just think that one part, like, I just, what was Chuck doing? Like, what was he, like, just, to be in the room when they were writing this, I would have freaked out. 
And then, so I got the, okay. Oh, sorry. They played Spirit Crusher, too. They played Spirit Crusher and Bite the Pain. Um, yeah, at the Death to All show. And then Spirit Crusher was one of the last songs. I mean, I kind of knew it. I mean, Spirit Crusher is, I, I, I feel like it is the most popular song off this record for some reason. I mean, I, it is one of the best. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. You can't you can't pick what's bad and good. You can just pick your favorites as far as something like this goes. Um, and then Chuck obviously got a little experimental. He wrote a song called Voice of the Soul, which is entirely instrumental. Um, I mean, you had a few of those on some death albums, like Cosmic Sea off Human, no, no vocals or anything. But uh, that was the whole band playing. But the Voice of the Soul, uh, there's no... I don't think there's bass or drums. There's no drums. I don't think there's bass on it. But it's just Chuck, you know, shredding over some acoustic parts that he did, and they're done very tastefully. I feel like that was also Chuck being like, hey, everybody, I know I'm going to die, or I know I'm going to be gone, so this is a voice of my soul I'm going to be leaving behind for you. And then they played Voice of the Soul during intermission between the set um, last night, and then they came back to Flattening of Emotions, which was so sick. But then... A lot of people also know about The Sound of Perseverance because of the cover on it. So Death, like I mentioned, they did God of Thunder um, on Human, and then they, they haven't really done any other covers. than Painkiller um, by Judas Priest, obviously. And then so a lot of people like to talk about Sound of Perseverance because Chuck's vocals are at, like, the highest. Like, they reach, like, screeching and piercing, but in a good way. It's not, like, annoying. But he's, like, fast on it! You know, I can't really get up that high. I don't really want to. But instead of just doing, like, a, um, a death growl, like, you know, he's getting up, like, really high. And, uh, yeah, so Chuck's, like, singing his ass off on this album. He's playing his ass off. And, yeah, I, I feel like in terms of, like, final albums, swan songs or whatever you want to call it, or probably the best, like, swan song album out of any band that's ever been a thing. Um, or, I mean, in the terms of, like, heavy music, you know, or a band that was like Death, released an album every few years, did a tour to support it, and then just rinse, cycle, repeat, basically. I think Human, Human, I think, <laughs> my gosh. I think The Sound of Perseverance was a great way to cap off Death's career. It was definitely a culmination of everything that had come before. Um, I mean, obviously, you don't have songs about mutilation or baptizing blood or anything like that. You know, because death evolved in terms of lyrics and songwriting. But, um, yeah, Chuck kind of knew he was, like I said, going to leave the world behind. And then all these songs are kind of about confronting death and confronting, um, you know, like literally the song Spirit Crusher is like, don't get crushed by your own spirit. Story to tell. Um, to forgive is to suffer. Very introspective. And then flesh and the power it holds, like using flesh as a metaphor for life and how your life can end very quickly and then moment of clarity is also a great song too i would have to say yeah bite the pain and moment of clarity moment of clarity's got some really cool riffs in it too um dun 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 um but yeah, I've also listened to this band so many times that hopefully i didn't accidentally say any of the wrong riffs with any of the songs because it's just all so engulfed in my brain. Riff salad, <laughs> if you will. But yeah, I know we you know, kind of talked about death this whole podcast, which I'm pretty proud of because that's what I set out to do from the start. 
nobody likes a podcast that doesn't go anywhere. But yeah, I can't really say it. I can't say it enough. I can't. I can't put into words just how awesome this band is and like the feelings that I get from listening to it. Um, and yeah, to be able to be in a band that kind of is like emulating that same direction and that same uh, style, you know, just like. Yeah, it can be heavy, but, like, also, why wouldn't you show off how good you are at playing your instrument? Which I feel like Death was. It was just kind of like, we're going to write good songs, but we're also going to make them really badass, and we're going to um, we're gonna flip the script a little bit in terms of, like, what's considered cool, what's considered, like, normal. Because, um, yeah, that's, that's the hallmark of any good, like, band or music or genre, in my opinion, is if you can bring in other elements from different genres and make it make sense or not have it be so foreign or uncanny, you know? Um, and death was a band that did that a lot. They incorporated a lot of different elements of music. I mean, mostly from jazz, but then I don't know. I feel like the first few albums were good, like thrash punk, uh, influence amalgamations to them. But then, yeah, as you move throughout the years, you get, you know, more progressive influence, more jazz influence, more, uh, I mean, even in some of the instrument choices, some of the, uh, like, scales that they use, like, they sounded like they were trying to emulate other instruments, other cultures, other, you know, scale, like, Phrygian, you know what I'm trying to say, like, (sighs) but yeah, I know, they're one of, yeah, one of my favorite bands, if you have, if you've never listened to Death, I mean, pick one album and start there, but I would say, human individual thought patterns symbolic and uh the sound of perseverance are some of the best metal records to ever come out from that era some of the best metal records period to come out from that era and yeah it's a good place to stop talking about death just kind of do my little outro here if you will um yeah thank you all for listening i know how much it can be listening to a podcast it's not an easy task um, especially if it's not like your preferred listening, uh, your preferred way to listen to something like, uh, you know, but yeah. Um, if you support my band, thank you. If you listen to my band, thank you. If you come to our shows, thank you genuinely. Cause it's not hard. It's not easy being in a band. Um, and yeah, we have a lot, got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Got a lot of shows, like I mentioned at the beginning. Um, and yeah, maybe I will end up writing some more solo stuff. I'm not sure. We'll see. But um, I did have some music that just kind of, I was planning on putting it out, but then I just couldn't really seem to justify it. Maybe I'll think about doing that. I'm not sure. I don't want to make promises I can't keep because I hate being that guy who, you know, don't promise something if you can't deliver on it. Um, but, yeah, if you ever want to be a guest on my podcast, please feel free to contact me about that um i've done a few podcasts with other people in person i mean not a few i've done like three and uh yeah like if you don't necessarily live in the metro detroit area like that's totally fine i've uh you know we have to do zoom we have to do zoom it's just the way it goes i mean i prefer it to be in person so i can get more of that human uh characteristic and edge to it but um we live in 2023. I mean, we survived an entire pandemic doing Zoom calls and everything like that. What what difference does it make if I do a podcast on it? Because I do want to try and get, like, somewhat of a bigger guest on here. 
I'm not sure. I feel like I'd really have to pull some strings to do something like that. But yeah, like I mentioned, you know, I know I want to do a convulsus episode in the future. I feel like really fast, heavy, angry, bitchin' metal. Check out convulsus. Um, and then, yeah, either sit down with my good buddy Sam, who's joining or who's been helping out um, Siphoned with lead guitar work. Um, and yeah, check out Passing Thought, which is Sam's baby. It's his band that he's been in for a while. Because um, I got some really cool original music out too. Put on a new single called Abstract Migration a few months back. It's really cool. Really progressive. Um, and then yeah, my band is called Siphoned. If you want to listen to us, we have an EP out right now. It's just called Eulogy. Um, basically the... Well, I didn't really have too much of a hand with that. I wasn't even in the band or anything like that. I didn't play on it. Um, but yeah, I have the honor of being able to play some of those songs live. So obviously I thought I would mention it. And uh, yeah, please stay tuned uh, for more content You know, coming from me. You know, want to get the podcasting more defined, up and running, going. Stay tuned for another podcast with me and my friends from school. And stay tuned, as always, for more new music from Siphoned. Um, but yeah, my name is Carter. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast called Nihil Aesthetic. I will see you all on the flip side.